Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Lightfoot Podcast, where we explore what it means to collectively bloom in the metamodern soils of the 21st century. Today, I'm excited to share the third interview in the Collective Blooming series, where I profile a number of collectives that are already out there making change. For those of you new to the notion of collectives, in this context, they refer to a community of people who come together to find belonging and purpose, while also having a positive impact on the world around them. Today's guest is Nati Lombardo, co-founder of The Hum and member of the Inspiral Network. I always learn something profound after I chat with Natty, and today was no exception. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Okay, hey Natty, and welcome to the Collective Blooming Series podcast. It's really good to have you here with us today. It's great to be here with you, Joe. Yeah, awesome. So I'm really excited to explore many different things with you, including your story with the Inspiral Collective, um, as well as the general work that you've been doing with community and an exciting new project you just informed me about that's unfolding as well, but we'll save that for a bit later on. So I guess let's start with the um, Inspiral Collective, which for me is like, it's kind of like the legit collective out there in the world the one that had been around before I was even doing this work like I googled and it was the only thing I could find out there that was really like yeah that's kind of what I've been thinking about and so for me it's always had this kind of allure around it and all the people I've met through it have always been really interesting and fascinating and so I'm excited to hear one sliver of that story because the thing about these communities is they're like a conglomeration of hundreds of different people's experience and it can look so many different ways from so many different angles so let's preface today with this is your experience of the Inspiral Collective. It's great that you name it that way because normally when um, when we talk about Inspiral is from our own perspective yeah. because it's you know it's a fluid organism in a way and yes. you can't really tell okay this is this is what it is it doesn't have a box in itself so it's always from my perspective. What did I experience this community being, right? Definitely. Uh, what is my story? What is the story from my piece of this community from yeah. that area? So, yeah. It's an so I'll probably piece. give you some facts. Yeah, yeah, I'll probably give you some facts and some stories. But uh, just, yeah, let's, let's be aware that it's not the, the full set. And there's so many other stories there. Yeah, and it's almost beautiful in a way because when we when we frame things that way, we realize that it's impossible to capture the essence of what a community or a collective is in any moment. There'll never be a way for us to see all the different angles at once, which is kind of elusive and mysterious. I like that quality of it. It can't be put in a, a box. It's, it's a complex adaptive system. So um, for people listening, maybe just a little overview of what Inspiral uh, is and um yeah, your, your kind of connection to it and, and how you got involved. Sure. Yeah. So I like to say that Inspiral is a community of support for people that are doing good in the world. So <clears throat> there's a lot of freelancers and entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs. There are some social companies and there are some co-ops. There's a, a few little companies that are not and spiral companies, and spiral doesn't have companies per se, but there's people in those companies that are part of the collective. So we're supporting each other um, to do meaningful work in the in the in the world. And what is meaningful 
it will depend on each of us. So if meaningful for me at the moment is um, I'm supporting groups to be able to work more collaboratively without traditional management structures. For my colleagues, maybe what is meaningful is building uh, a desk that is 3D printed for people to be able to have a better posture working at home, right? That's meaningful to them. And that's yep. one of the things that are happening in the network. So there's a lot of those different pieces and everyone, every one of us is working on what we think we can contribute and what is meaningful. Um, but we don't have to agree that as a collective, this is what the set of values that we have. This is the set of meaning that we share. The only piece that we share is that we're supporting each other, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, in meaningful work. That's a re that seems to be really part of the DNA of, of Inspiral that I've got a sense of. Um, so it's uh, action-oriented in that, in that regard and kind of um, forward-moving. I get this sense of uh, less talk about it, more do it, refine as you go along type energy, which um, I've appreciated because that's in contrast to the typical consensus circle that goes forever type energy, which some people have in mind in community projects. Is that kind of been your experience of it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think like one thing that we also have in common is that a lot of us in there, we want to organize in a more uh, collective way and mm -hmm. a less hierarchical way. So we have pr pretty much tested and trial a lot of different methods and a lot of different processes and one thing that we do come back to again and again is how are we organizing as a collective? Yeah. That's a, a that's a focus focal point um, that we share, and we try a lot of multiple things, but we do not try to agree on um, like basically we use consensus as a decision method mm -hmm. the for the minimum set of things that we really need to agree all together, and for the rest we have a lot of autonomy, and there's a lot of um, freedom just to kind of find your own way in the network and choose where are you going to be focusing on and what are the pieces that you're going to be working with mm. and just experiment. It's a very experimental space because we are, as you say, like more focused on, okay, let's just try something and see what happens, right? Yeah. Let's just try a few different forms and learn about it. And then we can, you know, share the learnings with the network. Yeah. But we are mainly based on trust. So we don't mm. have to uh, strongly agree on a lot of things, right? If I trust you as an individual, I trust you that, you know, you're going to do the best for the collective and you're going to think about my interest as well. And so I don't need to um, have a say on everything. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, nice. And you must be reaping the rewards from that kind of approach because it's been around nearly a decade now from what I gather. So you must have kind of figured out the things that are working and some of the things that aren't. And that must be a really sweet feeling to kind of be in those next iterations of, of refining what, what's going on. Um, I imagine it probably hasn't been a linear process up towards continued growth. These things tend to like organically crash and grow and reform. Um, but still, I, that must be cool now to look around and be like, this isn't our first go around the lab and, uh, yeah, there's been some really meaningful projects to come out of the network as well. I mean, Lumio is an obvious one that I use, but CoBudget is another one that I've been looking into. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Well, it's just a cool story, isn't it? A group of people working together and coming up with amazing projects that then 
increase the capacity for other groups around the world to do something similar. It's very uh, organic and, and beautiful emergent strategy, I find. Yeah, I think like if let, let's go back a little bit to the Lumio mm. piece, because I'm also part of, of that co-op. Um, <clears throat> so that's how I enter in Spiral, right? Yeah. Um, and just to clarify again, it's not that in Spiral as a whole built Lumio or CoBudget. There were people that were part of Inspiro uh, that build it, right? That yes. build those tools. But there was like, of course, there are tools that are useful for the network and that then people in the network started to spread out as well into other collectives. So Lumio, just for those of, of uh, people listening that don't know about it, it's a tool for uh, collaborative decision-making. It's used by a lot of different groups around the world for that. And that started through um, the Occupy movement. So when uh, the Occupy movement that started in New York spread around the world, I was in New Zealand at the time. Um, I'm originally from Argentina, by the way. And when I was there, I met Rich, that is my current partner, and also one of the founders of Lumio. And through the process of, you know, being in a camp, occupying a civic square, having these uh, assemblies every day, trying to make decisions together with people that we just met, finding like the, the hard parts of uh, making decisions together and the great parts about it as well. Uh, so after the camp disbanded in Wellington, uh, Rich and Ben and a couple of the other people that were there uh, wanted to create this software. And they met some people from Inspiral that at the moment was just starting, was a fairly small network that started in Wellington. And they met them and they had a lot more background in you know, social enterprises and how do you build something from the ground and more business-like and less activist-like like we were. Um, and they basically, they provided a lot of support and a lot of um, learning and a lot of spaces to grow the, the business as it was, as a software, um, they provided people that knew how to code, they provided people that understood better about finances and things like that. So basically that's how Lumio started and became part of Inspiral as a network. Um, everyone joined Inspiral right away. And I joined the team more or less a year after it started. And of course, as I joined Lumio, I also joined Inspiral because, you know, it was this amazing network of people and we were all connected and we were all pretty much friends. So that's how I, I came into it. A bit of a story of Lumio as well. Yeah, I want to zoom in a little bit on how romantic that is to meet a partner in the Occupy movement and really <laughs> in the cauldron of that, a beautiful new network emerged. That must have been pretty cool. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that's a, that's a, that's was, a sweet uh, story. <laughs> It is. We always say that we were, uh, you know, doing uh, sparkly fingers to each other and sparkly eyes across the circle. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hi there. <laughs> but you know how it is, right? Like, is the is the enthusiasm, the energy that happens in in, in a camp like that? Yeah, and I, those moments are quite quite important in our lives. Um, yes, we always remember Occupy. I guess I always remember Occupy. It was. A moment in history that we were part of we had this idea of we can change the world of course we didn't but change came out of it so yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. That sums it up perfectly. And I just want to zoom in on that a little bit because I think I'm starting to get a sense now connecting with a few different people, a few different collectives that there's, this isn't new. Like you mentioned, people have been building community since day one. We'd maybe forgotten a little bit lately some of the elements of it, but yeah, we're reinventing these things. But it's it's a new wave. And I think Occupy is a really good place, a marker in that because for me too, that was my that was my big initiation. I copped it here in Melbourne, um, and also I was traveling that time, so I saw it in a few different countries. I saw it in Spain in its entirety, and wow, it was a lot of different things. It was really activating, but I think the sense that came out of it was this is cool, but come on, we can do better than just sitting around and talking about it. Like let's let's make it happen. And I think looking back, that the decade has been all of us like recognizing how tricky that is and how many complex threads there are to uh, kind of weave together to make a, a sustainable coherence in amidst the group. And um, it makes me th- think of what I just watched the TED talk you and Rich gave um, today and the, the three areas that you mentioned of um, developing self-awareness um, and accountability uh, a few others and inter- yeah yeah just well, just with those two to start with and i think that developing self-awareness piece i think that's kind of everything in a couple of words and um yeah is there anything you want to speak to around that <clears throat> yeah i guess that this is something that we you know on our work so rich and i now we work at the hum and um, for those of you all that don't know it um, and Basically, we support teams that are trying to work in a, in a more collaborative way with less uh, hierarchy. Uh, and for us, the idea that when you want to work collaboratively, you actually need to also look at yourself. It's not just about, okay, cool. So from now on, we're all going to be a collective. We're going to work collaboratively. We're not going to have bosses or hierarchy. We're going to do things things differently. But we all have a story of having, you know, having been brought up in a culture that is quite different, mm-hmm. uh, that is quite hierarchical, right? So we need to be able to look at ourselves and be able to see what is the conditioning that I bring into this space? How do I show up in a collective? What's happening here? What are the pieces that I need to grow into? to be able to be the best collaborator that I could be. So that for the base of all of that is self-awareness. If you don't have that capacity for self-reflection, to look inwards, to see at the parts that might not be perfect, to see at the spaces where you can still grow, then there's not much that you can actually change. So that's where, that's where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah, and that's a much bigger mission and quest than just rejigging an organizational chart, right? It's kind of like everything, psychological integration, a spiritual journey either. That's the lens that I look at through the, 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 the shift from being an individual to a individual, that transpersonal idea, even without getting mystical of just being part of the, the world system. And you really are just one uh, whole on as a part of all that. And you fractally reflect all of it. And so it's, definitely i wonder how do you how do you approach these organizations that are kind of like hey we want a better we want a better system we want less hierarchy and you've kind of like all right do you 
do you lay it all out that way? Or do you take people on that journey slowly? Or this is a really tricky one. So in our work, and um, you know, often the question that we sit with is, um, because let, let's go back just a minute. So yeah. for me, self awareness is the basic piece on um, emotional intelligence as well, right? And that word can, you know, some people might see it a bit negatively or whatever it is, but it's about, do I understand my emotional landscape? Do I, can I, can I revisit it? Can I see it? Can I contemplate? Can I change it? Or can I do something to, um, yeah, to learn how to communicate my emotional landscape better? And uh, in that space, for us, the question is, um, how do we sell emotional intelligence to those that don't have it? So a lot of the times we do go into organizations and collectives, and you can see that a lot of the people there are lacking this self-awareness piece. Uh, and it's like, how do, how do we convince them that this is something that they need to grow? That it's not about how they're making decisions. It's not about what kind of structure or processes they have. Uh, you know, it's more about how do they show up as individuals. Mm. And that's the space that is very difficult to navigate. So we normally start very slowly. We share about these ideas. We talk about why do we think that is important to us. We look into the ideas of growth mindset as well, because of course, the mindset that you bring as well, the mindset that you have in terms of can you learn and change will affect a lot how you see those pieces. So we talk about those things um, and gently try to, you know, um, guide people through a little bit of a space of more self-discovery. So guide them into thinking about what do they need to be at their best in that collective or in that space? What do they need to... um, to feel cared, to feel supported, what do they need in terms of um, what works best for them, right? We all have different ways of working and different things that are more comfortable to us. And also building a little bit of empathy for other people that might have something quite different. Mm. Um, So in that opening up to those spaces, then we can open up into spaces for feedback. Then we can open up into hearing from each other. What am I doing that bothers you? Yeah. Right. What is what are my ways that doesn't sit well with you? Can we look into those pieces? Because I probably have things that, you know, bother me about you kind of thing. So we can talk about those things that are a bit more complex, but that ultimately have to do with um, our behaviors and our attitudes and how do we show up. So we yeah. can start together unpacking those pieces and supporting each other um, as a group as well to grow and to develop in, in a little bit more. Awesome. But it's not easy. It's not <laughs> it takes easy. time. <laughs> you probably know that, right? Like, how, how do you do it? How do you open up these conversations? Yes. Well, it depends on the moment. I mean, I think you need to have a whole different toolbox and depending on, on the context of where you're at. Um, do you have a background in psychological training, Nati? Because I love, I think, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. yeah, not not a lot. I'm not, you know, I'm not trained psychologist. You know, a formal no, because you embody the best uh, energy of that for me in our conversations. I think just in that moment where you shared, like, in- inviting people to step into that real space of this is how I'm feeling, this is how I'm feeling after this interaction, and I, I just feel that you've got a, a. I really enjoy the way you lean into that with like uh, 
a professional air, but also a very, um, yeah, I feel it. I went into that with you there. And I think that's, um, yeah. So I think I got a sense of how you do that. That answered the question more than anything of just how you show up in the discussion, you know, like that's kind of most of it. You know? I think, and, and you touch on something there. Um, I think a lot of what we do, um, it's about modeling, right? We show a different way of being and communicating. And that's the biggest part of it. Because you can, there's so much you can say with words. Uh, mm. And there's a boundary, there's a limit. And there's more that you can actually embody and show, well, this is, this is how I show up. And the yeah. other person will pick it up and will see pieces of that that they're like, wow, I kind of enjoy that. What's mm. going on there? Well, how is this person doing that? And, and why they can sit with this really uncomfortable conversation and just be okay with it? Mm. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of that that happens. And to take it back into Inspiral, mm -hmm. there's something there where, you know, like we can talk about Inspiral, we can talk about our practices, and we can talk about who we are, our guidelines and things. But it's not until you're there and you're sitting in the circle um, with the others that you start getting the feeling of Inspiral because it's yeah. more about a way of being together and yes. then how we're doing things together. Beautiful. That lights me up in so many different ways. So I think what, what the invitation is for people that are new to this sphere, it really is... Uh, quite challenging for folks maybe in a traditional organizational structure meeting this way of being because it really is an invitation to not compartmentalize all the different parts of your life anymore because it's kind of friend work even uh, lovers politics it all kind of becomes more of a holistic picture uh, which can be really frightening for some people because they're used to having these silos but i think that's the metaphor for why we've got in such a pickle these days is because that's happened inside of ourselves our parts have become alienated inside of ourselves so i think that's and that's where i think collectives like inspiral are so amazing because they are i think the social manifestation of this way of being so rather than being so much of an innovation in themselves even though they are that they come from this can't quite put your finger on it what is that feeling you need to be there to know it you can't ever capture it in a document type thing and the what i think the really interesting evolution is is that that way of being allows for these new social uh, constructs which you know blend work love political change meaningful uh, existence and professionalism together in one and that then causes us to have to go deeper into our self-awareness and provides kind of feedback on where our shadows and weak points are. And if we keep leaning in, then that kind of levels up our way of being. And as our way of being levels up, then the, the social construct itself, the Inspiral Network in this case, that evolves as well. And I think the two of them have kind of got to go on this journey. And that's that's really blowing my mind at the moment because I'm starting to see Things can only, you need those two things going in tandem. You know, you can't rock sociocracy in a totally traditional setting. And I want to I want to keep lifting the lid on that because I think it goes way past sociocracy. It's like, we don't know that there's no end to how we can go, but you've got to kind of attend to, and this can be a bit of a sticky, bit of a taboo topic almost of like, there's, you can only go as fast as potentially the, 
the slowest team member. I don't want to. I don't want to kind of. Oh, I feel a bit edgy even just talking about that. But you've kind of got to have a some median there, or else the whole thing can't keep flowing. Do, do you kind of know what I'm getting at with with that? Yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. and this is the spe- This is a place where um, it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg, right? If you think yeah. about it, because it's like, do we need? Um, individuals that are developed enough in themselves and in their capacity to be with others, to sit in circle, and to have a collective, or can the collective exist and support individuals to grow into the best version of themselves as well? Yeah. And it's both, right? From my perspective, is is a bit of both. Yeah. The space of the collective, the space of the relationship, and how do we show up, and how do we sit with each other, and how do we support each other helps us to grow. But at the same time, we help the collective grow, right? Yes. It's like we do it together. You can't yes. really separate them in yes. that sense. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful synergy, a symbiosis almost between the collective and the individual. I think that this is a piece that um, it might be much more uh, understandable to, um, to some cultures than others. Right, mm. the idea of being separated from your community—it's fairly Western ideas, right? Yeah. Especially in some countries more than others. And there's um, other cultures where you're never separated from your community; you're a part of it. You can't consider yourself um, growing as a cellular. You're growing as a body. You're growing all together. You're a system. Yeah, well, you're a cancer. It's another way of looking at it. If your cells growing outside of your community, right? Mm, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm way into the whole kind of, particularly the immediate return hunter-gatherer cultures that are left out there. There's only a few of them left. I've really been getting into Bruce Parry's work and his documentary Tawai and about the people, the Penan people in Malaysia. And are you familiar with Bruce's story at all? Oh, so he's cool. Uh, he did a documentary series called Tribe with the BBC. Did you ever hear about that? He went and lived. So he's got an amazing story. About, I'll give you his story. I think I so heard he about was, that one, yeah. Yeah. He but was a commando, uh, not commando, a British military education trainer at the highest degree. So very fit, very military guy. He left the military and started exploring around the world and um, – really went on some amazing trips, like full-on exploration style. And he started making documentaries. And during the documentary, it's so fascinating. You can see he did a big BBC series where he lived with a different tribe for like a couple of, like a month or more over a period of three years. Um, So I just, I mean, imagine that experience. It was incredible. And he really went into it. Like he did the initiations um, he ate what they ate. He lived with them. Um, and he was a really, he's a really lovely guy with a big heart. And through the documentary series, you can see him getting deprogrammed, reprogrammed into this, like, what the West, what is going on? We've lost something really important here. And it wasn't until the last tribe that he visited that he really had his mind blown because they were the only immediate return hunter gatherers, which means that they process everything as they find it um so they don't store things per se they're constantly on the move and that's the model that we were in for hundreds of thousands of years um as hunter-gatherers that was the original model and it's totally egalitarian it's the most egalitarian and something twigged for him 
and he's like, well, this is it. This is, we've got to protect it. And they're maybe the, one of the last tribes, them and a pygmy tribe in the Congo, which he also visited with the two that have that. Um, and that for me, to be honest, is the end goal of where I want to head with this. How close can we get back to that level of uh, synergy, but in a modern context, um, taking into account the massive meta crisis that we're facing and the fact that I'm completely addicted to technology and don't know anything about foraging or living outside, you know? So that's my, uh, that's my dream for it. That's a nice dream. Yeah. Let me know what you find in the path. Yeah, yeah, I I think there's several challenges, right? Like I love the ideas of um, recovering in a way, ancient wisdom, right. And bringing them into our context but also uh, acknowledging that we are not there. We are not on the yeah. ancient past and the world is different right now. And yeah. what are the lessons that we can bring into this, this world? And, you know, like just before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about this idea of living on the land and, and having yeah. a community base and growing our food and things like that. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, so I don't know if you know much about my background, but... I studied permaculture in Argentina, mm-hmm. and then I started traveling uh, through intentional communities because I was fascinated about the idea of how can we live together as communities? How can we do this, live on the land and be sustainable, uh, you know, going back into the roots and how things used to be? And um, I traveled around the world for four, four years, more or less, through different mm-hmm. intentional communities and, and meeting a lot of different people. I kind of called that at that time of my life the the university of life because <laughs> I I think like I learned more in those four years that I learned and until then that I was like 20 25 26 um so uh yeah but there was like so many people trying to go back into how things were and what fascinated me about permaculture in that sense was that it was Taking a lot of the ancient knowledge, but bringing it also with the newer technologies, right? We have solar panels, we have wind turbines, we have all this amazing technology that, you know, is again, it could be used as a, as a tool for amazing things, or it could be very destructive, as we have seen. Yeah. So it's like, how can we combine those things? How can we, how can we create something that is new, that is yes. for now? that it takes the best of us and the best of what we learn through our history and the best of what we can achieve, right? Bringing together a little bit of that, that dream of who we could be in our best as humans. Yes. I love it. I love it. For me, that's what the word neo-tribalism encapsulates and mm-hmm. more recently solar punk, that aesthetic of mm, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. of the times gritty we've got there's you know there's shit going down around us but we're not going to give up hope and we're going to use what we can realistically here and now and we're going to look funky as heck while we do it with our cool solar panel hats and stuff like that um i yeah that's that's it's beautiful this is a vision that's popping up everywhere this is the collective blooming metaphor that i was going for and what i'm writing because it's so many people are arriving at that at the same time and it's a thrill to kind of get into sync around it and i want to come back a little bit to this point of um getting in sync with the right coherence group and what that looks like inside of a collective setting because that's what's particularly interesting to me about inspiral as well which is similar to doc rack the community i've been in of it's a few hundred people and so you've got many different 
vibes and stories and worldviews and perspectives. And this is where I think uh, the two technologies that are really critical that come in are gatherings, the retreats, um, which Inspiral is yeah, well known for having amazing deep experiences. And the second one I want to hone in on are pods or crews. And that's where I think I've gone on this journey of, of going, yeah, let's do collectives. Wow, that's, that's amazing. But as I've gone along, I've realized, oh, actually, I think maybe we should focus in a little more at the pod level. And you and Rich have been pioneering the micro-solidarity work, um, offering amazing courses, which I recommend to anyone if they're ongoing. And just th- that whole idea of that small group, um, I've even gotten smaller and I'm seeing pods are great, but I'm, I'm into this like neo-tribal buddy system right now of just one other person and then doing the work on myself. So it's fractal, it's all of them. But yeah, I've been getting smaller because getting that coherence, I find it's taking me four or five years with this person to reach a point now where I'm like, okay, I feel like I could start the eco village with you. I feel like as soon as we put the money and the love and gardening, which sounds fun, but it's hard work. Um, so I'm all about these smaller things. And I, I know that you've had experience with the pods in Spiral and uh, I want to hear from you around that. Sure. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, the idea of pods in Spiral and just to clarify, pods um, are for us are a small group between three and six people. Um, of just people coming together to support each other or to share a particular interest. So either they're learning together or they're talking about a particular topic that they're really into or they're supporting each other's project or their personal development. Or as you said, just to have a body to check in, right? Even it could be as small as that as well. Yeah. Um, So we brought, like, and I said we, it was mainly me and another person from Inspiral, John Guerin, we were having some conversations like maybe two, three years ago, and we were talking about these things that we were testing. We were testing these ideas of small groups and how small groups could help us to um, develop ourselves and and build stronger connections across the network. Because as you said, Inspiral is around 200, 250 people. It fluctuates, of course. So how do we get to create those deeper connections if we can't see each other all the time and spend a lot of time together. So then we started, um, I created a couple of pods and started experimenting with that. And after experimenting with a few pods, it was like, this is super valuable. Why don't we try to expand it to the network? Um, So basically we set it up as an experiment. I was like, hey, we've been doing this thing and it's been super valuable for us. We think that others will enjoy it. If you would like to do it, we can support you, test test the pod, see what happens. And um, that's been going on for a few years now. We just passed an agreement as uh, pods as a central part of how we care for each other and how do we build these deeper relationships in Inspiral. We have a working group where we support um, the pod rounds. So uh, twice a year we said, hey, if you want to be on a pod, offer something and, and other people will jump jump on it. So in a sense, it's not as much as finding that person that you really resonate with, but it's finding resonance with those that you're with. Mm. So, and that's, that for me is key because, mm. you know, and I'm sitting with the same dilemma, right? Like as we're, yeah. we were talking about building a community in a place, 
Do I build a community with those that I already get along, with those that I already share my same visions and values and ideas? Or do I build the community with those around me? What mm. will it look like if I build a community in my building or in my neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And that's the, the, the old communities, uh, in a sense, like the smaller towns, it's not about you're living with those that you really get along. You're living with those that are different as well. Sure, there's more cohesion because maybe you're from the same culture, you're from the same area, a lot of people grew in there. So there's a shared sense. But how do, in this time and age, how do we build um, shared understanding and also allow for enough diversity of ideas and visions to coexist? Mm, beautiful. Well, you're a braver soul than I in some ways, Nati. I, I applaud your courage because I think I'd want to be in two versions. One part yeah, of it is like, because yeah. as I'm, all right, so this whole collective experience has just revolutionized my life. And that's why I'm so excited. I want to share the stories about it because I just continue to grow and get insight into myself that I just wouldn't be able to do by myself. And the more resonance I have with the person, the more trust and the deeper I can go. And so I'm getting kind of addicted to that in a beautiful way. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want that process to end. I want that deepening to keep going. But I also see what you're saying is that's to create the world that we want to, we've also got to be practicing creating coherence in other ways. So I kind of like that dual thing. Um, it's quite a time commitment, but I think, yeah, that speaks to me. Yeah. And, you know, like, and you've been to one of our micro solidarity um, gatherings or well trainings or whatever sure. <laughs> like yeah. a practice program as we call it mm -hmm. <clears throat> and the um it's very common that we hear people say and you know close to the end of the time together saying things like there must be an amazing group of human here because i had such a great connection with everyone right yeah. and normally what we refer back is that it's not that we picked the people that are there. We put a call out and sure there's something that you, that we're all aligned on that you're joining the call that we put out, right? Something on these ideas called you into the space, but also there's people from all around the world, people from different cultures, people from different, like uh, they're doing completely different things in terms of work or what they're passionate about. But it's about having that space, as you're saying, right, to start connecting with the other person as a person, the other yeah. person as a human and looking, be, looking inside, looking deeper than just what do you do for a job or yeah. um, do we agree that, um, that we want to live in the mountains or on the sea? Yeah. It's going into our humanity and there's so much that we all share in common. Yeah. And when we start looking into that space, how much more um, sense of belonging we can build with each other. Yes. Wow. I, I can draw quite a lot of hope from what you're saying there because, to be honest, I'm a little bit heartbroken after five or six years of intensive community building because I've just seen how many blocks there are in myself and others. I'm getting an insight into the 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 fractures in the human psyche, the deep programming from our cultural superego. And I'm seeing the pace at which we're growing is beautiful, but it's slow. It's the speed of trust, you know, and that takes time. But what you're pointing to brings hope for me, actually, because 
you're right. You set up the right context, the right systems, the right processes, and you can get a level of resonance and coherence that I think is workable for the kind of shifts we need broadly for the world. Like this is, these are processes and technologies that can work in a couple of years rather than, you know, a couple of decades of what it feels like for me to become integrated as a community creature per se. But Ah, I appreciate that. And I experienced that on the call, actually, because it was like you and Rich are really masterful at setting that up. And just the, yeah, there's, I don't know, I keep coming back to this. That's why like neo-tribal, solar punk, metamodern, it's this kind of uh, oscillation between, you know, the sincere irony and it's the, yeah, we're open hearted, but yeah, we're also kind of serious and, and on point and we're going to keep things moving. And it's this, it's almost like a paradox. You kind of the both sides at once yeah and i think like there's a space you know like in spiral um it's been going for as long as it's been going it's more more than more than a decade now and yeah. one piece that we have is that we don't agree uh we don't have a set of like a list of values that we agree on mm-hmm. we don't have this like a main goal point or a main focus that we all need to be doing. And it's as broad as we're supporting each other to do meaningful work. And there's so many different stories that, you know, going back a little bit to the beginning, there's so many different stories and there's so many different people doing so many different things. But when we go down into the base and into the basics of it, we're all humans and we're supporting each other. Uh, We we develop a space of trust where we can even disagree. We can sit in that disagreement. We can sit mm. in this thing of you're doing that thing and I don't think it's, mm. I don't think it's important because it's not my set of values, yeah. maybe. But it's important to you and I care about you as a human. So yeah. can we find space? Can we find space in that, in that diversity of visions? Yeah, beautiful. You've moved away from New Zealand over the last year, right? Inspiral is based in Wellington. Um, Tell me a little about that. Yeah, yeah. So I I guess it's a global network at this point. How how has your relationship with uh, Inspiral evolved during that process? Yeah, that's a good question. So I lived in New Zealand for over 10 years. um, And we recently moved back. We moved to Europe. We've been working in Europe for a few years now. Um, over some months, some months of the year, we'll come over here and work because a lot of our work is here. Um, but last year, we decided to be based here. Um, I have, apart from being from Argentina, I have an Italian passport because I'm descended from migrants that you know moved from Italy to Argentina um, around world times, war times, um, and. So we moved here and the idea when we came for Inspire was like, well, it is a big part of the network that is in New Zealand. Um, there's a part of the network that is in Australia and so on. But there's also some folks um, that are in Europe. So can we create a little bit more of a nucleus in Europe? And that's mm. the current experiment. We're seeing what will happen if we start, apart from being a global network, also having like in a way hubs that are more regional. So we can create more of that sense of, um, you know, we can meet in person. At least we're on the same time zone uh, where we can do things together at the same times of the day instead of having to wait a whole day to get an answer from someone or to read whatever happened on Slack or in Lumio. Mm. 
Um, and so far, it's been really good. We had a virtual gathering because we couldn't meet in person, of course. Yeah. We had a virtual gathering at the end of September. We were all excited for an in-person one, but, you know, it's the times we have. Yeah. And after that, like that sense of there is an energy here, there is an energy to to um, to bring more people into Inspiral that are coming from Europe uh, and yeah. see what are the collaboration spaces that we can create. It's been growing quite a lot. Mm. And the prototype that we're doing, we're not changing any agreements. We're not trying to agree with the rest of the network of what we should be doing here. We're prototyping with slightly different arrangements uh, in terms of how do we invite people into the network, how do, what are our rhythms, um, how do we do things. And we're going to look into what are some of the other experiments that we need to test in terms of structure that might be different from the whole network. We're going to try it for a year, uh, more or less, and, and then we're going to reflect back to the network and say, hey, we've been trying these other things. This is what's working for us now here. Uh, maybe we want to change some agreements, maybe not, or just share with the network. Maybe there's other people. There's, there's a bit of a nucleus now in Melbourne as well, so maybe mm. they want to be prototyping with other things. So there's like creating spaces where we can all learn without having to agree again. So it's about... Yeah where there's enough diversity that we're testing different things and seeing what works best in different areas. This is really interesting for me. I feel this is kind of where the broader movement, where we're all kind of learning right now, that they're, each of these communities and collectives, they do have some kind of bioregionalism to them. I mean, I would hope that that, that story goes deeper into the kind of indigenous wisdom of the land and the connection with the seasons and the ecosystems. But even beyond that, just the social culture and architecture in which they emerge, how do you take a few droplets of Inspiral and, and does that seed grow the same way in other soil or is it a whole different thing if you had cultivated it another way? And I get the sense that they're going to be very specific. And this is where this kind of like interesting, I know you will have thought about this because leadership, instigation, starting energy, how do you do that in the non-hierarchical healthy way but i find that a few key individuals do need to call in the song and get it going how do you do that without making it too much of your dna how do you step back are you kind of how are you dancing with those ideas right now yeah well and and this is the exact moment where we're at right now in, mm. in inspiral europe so that's interesting so basically in inspiral we have two tiers of membership right one are the contributors. So anyone that joins the network is a contributor. And to join the network, you need to be invited by a member. And after you are a contributor for a while and you've been participating and you show up um, to the community, you'll probably get invited to be a member. And a member basically has more or less the same, um, the same rights but have extra responsibilities. And that extra responsibility is you get to invite contributors or at least you know you're the um you get to sense if a person is right to come in anyone can say hey can i want to invite this person it's like okay the members a couple of the members will jump in and have a sense for that person as well yeah. and also you're the, the the members are the barrier when things go wrong not only legally because we also have the legal share of inspiral foundation but also when there's conflict when there's tension, when there's things that are getting a little bit tricky, members will jump in to, to support and solve what's happening. Yeah. So 
those are the two tiers, contributors and members. And anyone yeah. at any time, like we switch between them, right? I just stepped down from membership um, just for a while because I, yeah, it's like I needed a bit of time for other things. Yeah. Um, but I can jump in later on. Mm. Cool. So, so there isn't a culture of one's more valuable than the other. That's quite cool. If you can just sort of effortlessly flow back. between those. Ah, that's yeah. great. That's That yeah. seems really healthy. And um, and in, in Spiral Europe, basically, we have how many of us are here members? Well, I kind of consider myself still a member just for the sto- sake of the story sure. right now. Um, so I think it's five or six of us that are members. And four of us, we started having this conversation about, hey, what do we look like if we start growing this year? Can we, can we yeah. experiment with some different forms? Can we, for example, plan a gathering? And bring everyone that is part of Friends Part of Europe. And how can we think about inviting new people and things like that? So we we brought that seed energy. And actually, we had a working group that it was called the European Seed, because that's what it was. And at the gathering, we had a time where we we reset our priorities. Um, after like our seed was until the gathering, and that the idea was that more people will jump will jump into um, into this trying to grow it and trying to make that seed grow and mm-hmm. see what happens from there. And we reset our working groups and we now have two working groups and the seed working group got split and, and a few of us just divided into the, the two different working groups and we invited new people that are contributors to join and we changed from the seed to the sprout. So nice. it's a different energy and that sprout uh, is two of us as members and three contributors. And the idea is once we're in a working group, we're all, there's not, there's not that difference of, you know, sure, maybe we started the whole thing, but now it's a different section, right? Yeah. We changed the, we changed the name, we changed the rhythm, we changed the configuration, the priorities, and we did that together as a collective. So those are the spaces where as, as members, where we brought that leadership to get it started, we started to step back and call others in and say, okay, who wants to hold this? We're not going to mm. hold it. We're all holding yeah. it as a collective. So who wants to hold it? And we can move back. And eventually, you know, I'll move back even more and, and just yeah. stop being even part of the working group. And there's yeah. going to be other people. And that's the way it goes. Nice. That's exciting. And that does that cross over? You mentioned a, a residential community project. You're thinking, uh, are these separate things or are they kind of one and the same or? It's Still really hard to separate things, right? <laughs> so the the land project is something that we are, Rich and I were thinking about it with um, two other couples, uh, one couple from Argentina, another couple from Spain. And we're thinking about it. They're not part of Inspiral. We're the only ones. But if we have a community land project that is based somewhere and we have an event uh, space, it's it's obvious that, members of Inspiral will also jump in and there's obvious that it's going to be used at times. And cool. yeah, it's really hard for me to separate the parts of my life and compartmentalize. Yeah. And um, how's Rich's Spanish? Is he going to be able to keep up with that fast flowing <laughs> uh, dialogue? Um, maybe, maybe. He's learning. Maybe. Good practice. Yeah, he's getting there. This, yeah. this is, um, we'll start to land pretty soon, um, but I think this feels like the first of, uh, a few conversations I'm sure we'll be having. Um, the the element I want to touch on there, though, is speaking to Shuba last week. Something else that I'm seeing are uh, 
the threads of the challenges of being closer towards the center of one of these webs because it is all-consuming and it's very difficult to create space. It's a training in creating boundaries. Sometimes it's like your lover as part of your community, as part of your working group, as part of building your new house. And I would say that's probably one of the bigger things that we've got to look out for and, and create new rituals. I think rituals are really important around that. And um, maybe that's that's the last question I'll ask you is, are there any rituals that um, you've picked up along the way and in Spiral, anything you do at the gathering or in any of your collectives that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, there's um, there's one main ritual that we do at the gatherings. And I think that's really important part of um yeah, of this feeling of spiral that is hard to describe. But there's always one of the evenings, um, not the first one, but maybe the second or third evening of our gatherings. Normally we spend three or four days or four or five days together. Um, where we do in that evening, we do a sharing circle. Mm. Um, and it's kind of like a circle practice in a way. It's, a, it's just slightly different. And yeah. the idea is just to make space to share feelings to share anything that is there, to share any stories, anything that people want to open up to the rest. Um, and what happens in those circles is just, it's amazing. Um, yeah. I, I hosted a couple of circles in a, different, in a few different contexts and things like that. And sometimes, you know, in Inspiral, like a lot of the people that are sitting in the circle is people that we really know. We've known them for like several years, right? So we have that trust and that safety. But there's also people that are completely new to that circle. And just sitting in that space and hearing others share from such a deep place. Uh, and it's not a dialogue and there's not space to reply and it's not space to, you know, it's just sharing into the circle. It's creating that space. You know, if we have the fire, there's a fire in the middle. If we don't have the fire, that's fine. But there's that space to actually be vulnerable and, and show who we really are and, and open up. And you hear beautiful things. You hear, you know, sometimes we hear stories about something really hard that had happened to that person that year, um, something that they're really struggling with. Or sometimes we hear, you know, beautiful stories about an amazing discovery that they did for themselves, an amazing space of learning that they encounter or a spiritual experience or whatever it is that happened to them. Mm. And that's, that's definitely a practice that no matter where we go, we try to take it with us because it creates yeah. a different level of intimacy. Like after a circle like that, you're just, yeah. You just don't see the other person the same way. Yeah. For me, that's that speaks to the sacred element of, of, of all of this, that, that quietness, that being able to be still in each other's presence, that it's not so common in our modern culture. And I get a sense of that. I look forward to sitting around a fire with you one day soon in that space. I'm actually hungering for that space with you after sharing uh, a beautiful intellectual, emotional journey now. I, I just yes. get a sense of that that presence. And um, yeah, thank you so much for spending this time with me, Nati. And I really yeah, look forward to you. chatting again with you soon. Um, yeah, me too. Um, let's find a fire. Let's find a fire to sit around, Joe. <laughs> once we can to be in person again.
hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you're keen to learn more about Inspiral or The Hum, you can find links in the show notes. And if you wish to learn more about collectives, my new book, A Collective Blooming, is now available online at www.joelightfoot.org. Podcast music by Johnny Eagle. Until next time, keep blooming, my friends.